Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. In this episode, I spoke with Ray Lanthner, CPA and partner at Sickage, to discuss the second round of the Paycheck Protection Program, also known as the PPP. Since last summer, much of the guidance has been clarified, but Ray told me there are still areas practitioners need to consider carefully. We discussed how this round is different, mistakes to avoid that might have been made last year, advice he has for those applying, and much more. Here's what Ray said you should know about PPP2. So when we look at what came out, um, you know, came out, I think, right a couple days before Christmas um, that was included, we broke it into, you know, three different categories as it relates to the PPP and related type items. One is updates to the original PPP loan. Um, There were some changes with that that we'll get into. Uh, The second is what's being referred to as PPP2, which is uh, the second draw. Um, And the third thing is the employee retention credits. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, that is actually an area that we're getting a lot of questions from our clients right now. Um, So, Getting back to like the, the the first round of the PPP, what are some of the updates associated with that? Now, the biggest thing that came out of it was the taxability of the, of, of the expenses. Um, we'd been told for several months that uh, the expenses associated that you used to pay with proceeds from the PPP loan, although that the loan forgiveness wasn't taxable, you weren't allowed to deduct the expenses. So um, this is actually causing, you know, some fear and some... Uh, um, tax issues with uh, quite a few of our clients, and I'm sure uh, most people listening the same way. Uh, but in this day came out, and it is official that you can deduct the expenses associated with it. So um, the, the the forgiveness piece is actually truly non-taxable at this point, which um, I think for everybody was a huge um, um, sigh of relief. Um, some other stuff that they added in there, so. Um, if you had an SBA loan, either the 7A or 504, there were during 2020, there were six months of, of payments and they weren't deferred. They, the payments were just canceled. Those originally had been told that those that, for, that forgiveness was going to be um, taxable. Um, they've confirmed that that is not taxable also. And the same thing with the EIDL loans or grants um, is what they were. Um, those are also non-taxable. Um, with the EIDLs, also what they said is that the way the PPP loan appli- forgiveness application worked is that if you got a grant from the EIDL, that remained a loan at the end um, of the period, even if you got your whole PPP loan forgiven. And that um, has been removed and are also forgiving that also. And so this, uh, that was all really great news. Um, something else they did on the SBA loans and the 504s is they did ex- they did are granting another three months of loan forgiveness um, in starting in February uh, for those loans, but it's capped at $9,000 a month. So um, again, that's gonna be another, um, hopefully a help for a lot of businesses out there. Um, The other thing that kind of came out too, relating to the old PPP loans um, has to do with farmers and ranchers. So if you had a client or there's a farmer out there that filed off their Schedule F and the, um, they did not get the full 20,833. And so this is really gears towards farmers without payroll. 
um, because they actually showed less than $100,000 of profit, they can actually go back as long as they had $100,000 worth of revenue and go back and file to get um, the remainder to get up to that 20, just, uh, just under $21,000 loan. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, and I think the last thing I want to talk about as far as the old loans, um, that they did put out a new application for forgiveness for loans that are $150,000 and, and less, uh, much simplified. They've been saying they're going to come out with it, but hadn't done it. Um, so $150,000 down, if they hadn't applied for forgiveness, they can use the shorter application. And that will, it's basically, lack of a better term, a rubber stamp. So as long as you you're saying that you used it appropriately and those types of things, then you can you will get forgiveness for it. Um, on the new loans, which were being referred to as PPP2, um, just some high level type things. First of all, the loan is capped at $2 million um, before it was capped at 10 million. Um, in order to qualify, um, you need to have a quarter that has a 25% decrease in revenues. Uh, compared to the same quarter the previous year. So, and it is calendar quarters. Um, so, you know, for the quarter of April, May, and June, if in 2020, if that revenue is down 25% compared to April, May, and June of 2019, you do qualify for this loan. Um, and it doesn't matter what happened the other three quarters and you can apply for this. Uh, a couple of questions I've been getting. Um, I know some contractors are asking about, you know, how do you treat subcontractor costs? Um, it's, 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 it's gross revenue. So um, whatever you're showing on the top line and really what you're looking for is you're looking for the revenue on how you record it uh, for your tax returns. Um, so if you're on a cash basis for your tax returns, you wanna look at that if you're accrual, but just being consistent with how you've report in the past on your tax returns. And they do, the, the uh, one of the things you, you do need to include with your application would be, assuming your calendar year end, um, your 2019 return, I think the assumption 2020 is not gonna be done yet, but you would include the 2019. Um, as far as the base and house determined, uh, for most companies, it is still two and a half months worth of payroll. And you get the choice of e using either 2019 or 2020 payroll. Um, I'm assuming for most people, if you have a 25% reduction, that the 2019 payroll is going to be the same. Uh, it's going to be the better one to use. So you're allowed to use that for the two and a half months. And I think part of the idea of doing this was to make it easy. So the theory is that if you use 2019 for your first loan, your second loan should be the exact same dollar amount. It should be easy. Your bank already has all your documents. Um, but what I'm hearing from people that are applying is the banks are still asking for additional documents and, you know, I, and understandably so. I mean, they're trying to rush through this and um, just trying to make sure they're, you know, everything's in the file so they don't have to go back and forth. Uh, but that was really the thought process behind it. So, um, as I mentioned, it's two and a half times monthly sales. So, uh, I'm sorry, not sales, payroll. Uh, the, the difference for that is if you're in a 7-2, SIC code, so restaurants, hotels, those types of industries, they get actually three and a half times. Um, so there's going to be a larger loan. And the forgiveness looks like it's going to work similar to where the forgiveness was with PPP1. You're going to have either an eight-week period or 24. And actually, this there is some language in here that does say you could use um, different time periods. You know, you could do 11 weeks or 15 weeks, whatever, whatever works best. Um, and as of now, it's my understanding that uh, banks are taking applications and people can go ahead and apply. And um, but that's kind of what I, as far as you know, 
some of the top line stuff as far as the new PPP program goes. And Ray, you just highlighted, you know, comparing um, the first round to this new one. Is there anything that you would specifically call out uh, for people to, hey, be aware of this when they're applying? Um, well, a couple different things. Um, one would be uh, the employee limit. Um, on the first loan, there was an employee limit of 500, um, but you were also able to use um, size standards that the SBA has. So certain industries could actually go over that 500 uh, limit. This time through it's 300 and there's no reference to the SBA size limit. So it looks like it's just 300 period. And um, with one exception, again, at the hotel and the restaurants as far as that can go by location and where you're at. So if you're in that 7-2 SIC code, um, you know, make sure you're taking a look at that and see what the different options are. There's a little bit more leeway when it comes to that. Um, but as far as, you know, th things to be aware of, I and mean, that's probably one of the biggest things over this stuff that we kind of already talked about. And I know before last year when we talked initially that there was some, some confusion about uh, some of the guidance that was issued or wasn't. Do you feel like this PPP too, that there's better clarification that people feel more prepared this time? I think people do feel more prepared this time. Um, and it's really, um, I don't know if it's necessarily because things are better this time. It's just things have gotten hashed out. Uh, when it went through. And you know, like I say, you know, one of the things we talked about the first time was, you know, people didn't know about 1099 income, um, whether that qualified, they didn't know whether, um, or, or expenses instead of wages, they didn't know whether payroll taxes would be included, um, those types of things. So, you know, that's that's been, um, I think, cashed out in the meantime. So I think we're okay there. One thing they did cl clarify um, with this round, it gets into what's included in the compensation. So we had known that you know, obviously payroll and wages and things would be included in compensation. We understood health insurance would be included in compensation. Um, but there were still some open questions and they did, did come out and say that things like life insurance, company paid life insurance, uh, disability, vision, dental, all that stuff also qualifies as, as, um, as eligible payroll expenses to compute the two and a half uh, months worth um, of expenses. So, um, like I said, I think, I think, I don't know if they necessarily did a better job. It's just, you know, they're following the same format as last time, which allows us to hash everything out already. And is there anything that you would say you feel like, um, despite the things that have been hashed out and, and figured out now that still needs further clarification? Yeah, one of the things we're still struggling with is the whole uh, idea of economic uncertainty. Um, the first round, um, I wouldn't say people with loans less than two million got a pass. Um, they're just not subject to an automatic audit. But the whole definition of what does economic uncertainty mean? Um, so when the first loans came out, you know there was a box there that you know you had to check and say yes, we there is uncertainty in the economy. Is why. Um, we need this loan. And when talking at that time you, with the SBA and then basically they came to the conclusion that everybody was deemed to have an economic uncertainty. And at the time it was, that was a fair statement. Um, now we're going through with the loans over $2 million and um, we have clients that have applied for forgiveness that have gotten to the SBA. 
um, have gotten a questionnaire from the SBA to fill out and even send it back, but still no guidance on what that really means. And how do you determine whether somebody actually had economic uncertainty or not? Um, it's easy to look back now and try to make that determination, but not knowing what had happened, you know, it's hard to say. And so um, in this new round, even though the max is at 2 million, um, there's still that same question on the application. It, you know, you're signing off that you have economic uncertainty and that's why you need this money. No definition upon what that means, uh, nothing out as far as, well, if all the loans are 2 million and less, does that mean nobody's gonna get audited um, or just subject to random audit or what that means? So um, that's definitely an area where we're still getting a lot of questions and unfortunately we can't, we just can't answer that at this point um, going through. But one thing we are telling people to do is um, there is a standard questionnaire that uh, the SBA is sending out and that you can we can Google it and find it. Um, when you look for it, we're telling people, this is our understanding is, you know, your bank's gonna go through and do their process. They're gonna send it to the SBA. When the SBA gets to looking at the loan, they're gonna send you this questionnaire and give you 10 days to respond to the questionnaire. Um, we're telling people to fill it out, be ready and have that done before you even apply to the bank um, when you send it in, just because that way you're, you know, 10 days comes, you're not rushing around trying to figure it out. Um, and there's some planning that needs to be done when you fill out that form. Um, the form tends to look more to what actually happened as opposed to what was your mindset and what was, what were you hearing from your clients, those types of things, you know, early on in the pandemic when you go through. Um, one thing I, you know, I'm going to talk here in a little bit about is the employer retention credit and how that folds into uh, the PPP forgiveness. One thing I'll talk about is you can't use the same wages for the PPP forgiveness and the employee retention credit. And so there might be some strategies you wanna implement um, when filing forgiveness, uh, mainly trying to limit the amount of wages you're using um, so you can maximize the credit. Um, so we're kind of still figuring that out. So what we're telling people to do is you haven't applied for forgiveness yet, um, hold off on doing it um, while we kind of figure this out. And I know a lot of banks are pushing to get the applications in and understandably so because you know they're making sure they won't have a rush at the last minute but um at the same point you want to make sure that uh, um you do all the planning that you can get um now there's also a question of well if i already filed for my ppp forgiveness is there a way to go back and amend to help change some of these things in order to maximize the employee retention credit because we did hear a lot of people saying that you know we're getting full forgiveness with just our wages so instead of trying to find all the other, you know, allowable expenses, can we just file with your, you know, with payroll? And the answer is obviously yes, you could do that. But now looking back and knowing, well, now I can apply for the employee retention credit, maybe that wasn't the best avenue. So can you go back and amend your, your forgiveness period, um, your forgiveness application? And then, um, you know, and also um, with the new PPP, some of the things they came up with with allowing additional expenses um, on top of you know the ones we talked about with PPP one. So there was wages, it was rent, it was interest expense, um, utilities, those types of things. They've come out and said you know said okay, also for PPP two you can use you know um, you know protective equipment expenses. So if you had to put a plexiglass, you know those types of things that would all count. And there is some language in there about um, essential suppliers and those types of things, but there's really not guidance around what that means. 
Um, so that's something we're trying to figure out there. So that's definitely an area where um, we're, we're going to need to see some more guidance. And would you say there are any mistakes that you heard people talk about or that, that they've discussed since making um, around the first time that now hopefully they, they understand the system better or there's more guidance that people can avoid those making those mistakes again? Yeah, so I think I think at the beginning, and, and, and it was a matter of, you know, everybody's trying to get their applications in, they're trying to, you know, do the, you know, either you own a business or you're do, helping your clients or whatever it might be, you know, there was a rush to go in and get money and, and before it ran out. And so we saw a lot of people rushing to do expenses and not including everything. And some of the common things that we saw were um, including payroll taxes as additional um, expenses to get the loan. And turned, you know, at one point that's what people thought, um, but it turned out that wasn't the case. Um, the other thing we're seeing a fair amount is people use 1099s in order to um, substantiate wages for loans. And there was a point in time where they thought that was correct. Um, so we're working with some people that got PPP loans with just 1099s, and now they have nothing for forgiveness. So, um, but I think everybody should know that by now. Um, but one of the things we saw too, and I'm assuming it's not going to happen because everybody has 24 weeks now, is we saw a lot of people that, because they had, there's only an eight-week period, so people were actually really, really trying to spend money in that first eight weeks with PPP1 um, going through, and quite honestly, spending money on things they didn't need, um, just because they were looking to maximize forgiveness, and that's, you know, obviously now we have 24 weeks, so, and we understand we have some more planning, um, so those are the those are the type of things I would just I would just um, keep in mind that you know we don't have to do those things now. And I think you've hit on this, Ray, and in, in some of what we've already talked about. But what advice would you have for those who are applying this time? Anything that they should really really remember as they go into this process? Well, I, th I think the big thing, and I brought it up a couple of times now, is the employee retention credit and trying to find a way to include that if they're eligible for the um, uh, PPP loan, trying to find a way to maximize both. Um, there's some different ideas going around uh, as far as how to do it, but I think it's just early on. Um, and so with the employee retention credit, there was, um, it had been around and it was in the original bill and it was in 2020. Uh, but quite honestly, you know, our analysis with all our clients, it was better to take the, 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 the forgivable loan with the PPP as opposed to the employee retention credit. So quite honestly, not many people paid attention to it uh, when you go through. In this most, most uh, recent round of stimulus, um, what they did for that, and, and part of the, back up a little bit. So part of the reason um, it was like that was because you, you had to do one or the other. So you couldn't do the PPP and the employee retention credit. And so, the PPP loan was better, so people focused on that. So in this most recent round of stimulus, what they said is you can now do both, but you can't use the same dollars. And so that's where I'm getting into, you know, planning and trying to figure out how to maximize. So if you use wages in order to get PPP loan for forgiveness, you can't use those same dollars and get the employee retention credit. So um, that's where I keep mentioning you need to do some planning. Um, Something to keep in mind is, you know, unlike the PPP loans when it's forgiven, this this credit is actually taxable when you get it. Um, but still, I like to take the money and pay the tax as opposed to not have money. Um, and the other, one of the other things about it, if you have any companies that are affiliated, um, 
under the PPP loan, you follow the SBA affiliation rules. For the ERC credit, you're going to follow the IRS affiliation rules. So um, even if you did that whole analysis ahead of, you know, before under PPP, you need to revisit it and look at under, um, under the IRS because it may be different. And so, you know, the way the credit was set up in, in 2020 um, is you would get a, if you had a 50% decline in revenue for a quarter, um, and again, this could be any quarter during the year, that would, that would allow you to claim this credit. And the credit is for 2020, um, it's up to $10,000 worth of wages per employee, and it's a 50% credit. So you could get up to $5,000 per employee, assuming they made that much. Um, the only thing they kind of changed and put some wording in here, other than that 50% is if you were fully or partially suspended operations by government. So perfect example for this is going to be the restaurant, right? So the restaurant was closed or if it got, um, or if it got um, changed where, you know, you're just doing curbside service or you're just, you know, um, or even if you had to shrink the number of tables in your restaurant, those types of things would qualify you to get this loan. And the way that would work is let's just say the second quarter of 2020, you went down by 50%. That would automatically qualify you for the third quarter. And as long as you weren't back to 80% in the third quarter, you would also get the fourth quarter. Um, but again, it's you know $5,000 employee for wages that weren't used for the PPP loan forgiveness. So you can kind of see that that can be significant dollars. Um, and you know, as far as who can take it and how it works is if you're a business of, and again, this is 2020, if you're a business of 100 employees or less, um, you can take it for all your employees and the full amount of wages. If you're over 100 employees, you can only do it for the wages that were paid for people that didn't actually work. Um, and that's, again, an area um, questions are coming around. You think it's a pretty obvious question, either they work or they didn't work. I've been talking to somebody this morning. Well, I had somebody working at home. Um, they weren't as uh, efficient as they were before. And I was probably, you know, they were probably only really working 25% of the time. So can I take the other 75%? You know, our opinion of that is yes, you could do that. Um, again, maybe there's further guidance that's gonna come out later that's gonna change that. Um, but again, you know, that's something that people didn't think they were eligible for. And it looks like you're gonna probably wanna be looking at maybe amending payroll returns and we're gonna go back to last year and get it. You can put everything on the fourth quarter of your payroll returns. Again, this is not something you go through the bank, it's gonna be through the IRS uh, when you file everything. So what changes in 2021? Um, in 2021, you only need a 20% decline in, in quarterly revenue. So, and you're also comparing it to 2019. So if you look at the first quarter of 2021 and you're down 20% or more compared to 2019 first quarter, then that would allow you to take a credit for that quarter. There are some um, other ways you could look at it by looking at the fourth quarter of 2020. Um, but I don't want to get I don't want to get too much in the weeds on this, but um, there are some other ways to look at it. Um, and they did change the rule. I mentioned the rule before about the 100 employees, you know, below 100, you can take on all the wages above 100. It's just the wages for the, or the people were not actually working. Um, they changed that rule to 500 now. So a lot more people are going to be impacted. And they also changed the um, amount of the credit. So in 2020, it's $10,000 for the whole year and you get 50% of the 10,000. So max for the year is gonna be um, $5,000. 
uh, per employee. For the 2021, it's $10,000 per quarter and it's 70% of that. And so this credit is good for the first and second quarter. So if you're eligible in the first and second quarter, you could get actually get up to 14,000 per employee. So it's wages are capped at 10 per quarter and um, you take 70% of that. And also something that they changed is the uh, health insurance is also included in that. So if you're paying for health insurance, that would be on top of the wage amount. So if somebody made $8,000 in a quarter, you pay $2,000 for the health insurance, that's $10,000 times 70%, you would get the max at $7,000. Um, uh, so actually one of the, one of the, the somebody ran this past me the other day and I'm just not 100% sure whether XC pluses or minus is going either way is that if this is eligible on non-PPP compensation and you know you're going to be eligible for both, do you delay applying for the PPP loan so more of the wages can be included in um, before you actually, your cover period starts with the PPP loan? It seems to make sense, but really the risk associated with that is if you end up um, not, you know, who knows if the money's going to run out. Um, when you do it. So that's, it's, uh, it sounds like it's work, it would work, um, but at the same point in time, you want to risk not getting the PPP loan. Um, but that, that, that's the thing I can think of. I mean, as far as advice for those applying this time, I think just do some planning, make sure you understand all the benefits, see what you qualify for. Um, but I also recommend trying to get through it relatively quickly. Because like I said, early on the banks are open, they're taking applications. Um, and you know, so I think it's a Best advice I can give right now. Thank you to Ray for taking the time to talk about the PPP updates and what to expect in the coming weeks and months. So what'd you think of the episode? You can always let me know at Jay Salerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O at ohiocpa.com. And please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. We love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening. <laughs>